Hey guys, it's Dr. Delvina, board certified psychiatrist in South Florida. Are you ready to take the couch? Another episode of the Brain Love Podcast. It's another Sunday night, and of course, this is the last Sunday of April. And I mentioned to you all before that April is National Poetry Month as well as Jazz Awareness Month. That's right, y'all. And so that's why I'm starting this episode with a little bit of Duke Ellington and John Coltrane. I love this. Can you guess the name of this song? Of course you can. In a sentimental mood. I'm in a sentimental mood tonight. And um, I thought I would do a something different. Well, I'm not going to say it's that different than some of the other episodes. If you follow me, you know that every Sunday night I post a new episode of the Brain Love Podcast. And um, I cover different topics, man. I cover everything under the umbrella of mental health and wellness. Um, everything you can think of, everything that the brain is required for, which is everything, I talk about it. So if you're not already following or subscribed to the podcast, please subscribe. It's The Brain Love Podcast, and you can subscribe on Spotify. You can subscribe on iHeartRadio, on Pandora, on Apple, on Google Podcasts. Please subscribe, and um, and once you subscribe, take a listen to some of the episodes, and give me a rating. Give me some stars. Let me know what you truly think about the podcast, and um, and let me know what you want to hear more of, or what you'd like to hear if you haven't heard it yet. All righty, y'all. Are you ready to take the couch? So, okay, y'all. Tonight, I'm glad you're taking the couch with me. We have a very special episode my cousin, the other Dr. Thomas, Dr. K. Thomas, is joining me on the couch, Dr. K. Thomas, and we're talking divorce. This is a two-part series. I actually joined her on her podcast. Actually, the episode just dropped. I believe she dropped it on Friday, so I want you guys to go over to her podcast and check it out, show her some love, subscribe to her podcast, her podcast is um, it's very, it's, it's informative as mine is. And she talks really about divorce. She talks a lot about divorce and about um, relationships. And so she'll be on with me tonight. I was on with her, as I said, the episode dropped on Friday. And um, she had, we had a very, a, a great conversation about my relationship um, some of you may know this, some of you may not, but I am divorced. Um, and so on the Coffee and Divorce podcast, which is my cousin's podcast, I joined her to discuss living my best life after divorce. And a lot of, um, she had a lot of questions for me. So I, I thought it was a very um, helpful podcast for anyone who has gone through divorce, is going through divorce, is contemplating divorce. So please check it out, roll over to her podcast and um, and subscribe, give her some ratings. It's Coffee and Divorce Podcast, Coffee and Divorce Podcast. And, um, and so the first part of this two-part series, I am interviewing Kay. And in part two, which will be next Sunday, which is the first Sunday in May, you'll hear Kay, Dr. Thomas, interview me, Vina, Dr. Thomas, I think it's going to be pretty interesting. I just want to give you guys a heads up because it is National Poetry Month and Jazz Awareness Month. I will take a little short break at the middle of this episode and play a little poetry for you. Just something really quick. Just a shout out to all the spoken word artists um, in a sentimental mood that you just heard with Duke Ellington and John Coltrane. Um, of course, obviously, they um, had a record, but this was also a song on the Love Jones soundtrack. Um, and we're talking divorce tonight. Love Jones is a movie that was all about relationships and love, and including a relationship. Um, there were a couple of couples in the movie, and one of the couples was married, um, and they had some marital strife during um, the movie. 
And at one point in time, the husband moved out, you know, and it seemed like they were maybe going to get divorced. Um, and then also there's uh, the main two characters and, um, you know, they're like in lust together. They enjoy one another, but because of poor communication, their relationship, it doesn't, it doesn't go far. Like they have a great time in the beginning and at the very beginning also um, there is an issue because um, Nina, I believe was her name, the main character, she was in a relationship with another guy and um, they broke up. And soon after she broke up, she met this other dude and they started having sex and dating and having a really good time. And so um, the main female character decided, okay, I really want to see if I'm over my ex. So I'm going to go to visit him in New York. This movie takes place in Chicago, blah, 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 blah. If you've never seen Love Jones, check it out. It's one of my favorite movies when it comes to relationships. And it's a movie that really clearly spells out for you the importance of communication, the importance of being a good listener, the importance of not making assumptions, um, all of those things. So don't be surprised when I drop in a little bit of something, something from Love Jones, y'all. All righty, we're going to get this started. All right. So we're here, guys. Guess who I have on the couch? I have Dr. K. Thomas here. Hey, cousin. Hey, cousin. Thank you for inviting me to sit on your couch. Absolutely. So cousin, um, please introduce yourself. Tell folks who you are, what you do, if you're comfortable in saying what you do, where you work, or if you want to just say, state what your job, <laughs> what your job <laughs> title is. I feel like I'm like mama and everything else running these past couple days. No, but um, my name is Dr. K. K. Thomas. I almost went with my married name, but I returned <laughs> no, to my maiden name. Yeah, no, don't do that. <laughs> Um, and I am a clinical associate professor at the University of South Carolina. So you can Google my name and find out what I do and where I work. So I don't mind sharing that. But I'm a professor um, in the Honors College of the University of South Carolina. I enjoy working with college students. And I always tell our students I try to be what I didn't see. And then um, I do research on social networks and social capital. So my, uh, my travels have taken me to Italy and back. And then I'm also a host of a podcast that kind of talks about divorce and trying to create a network, what I research, trying to apply it to like my personal life as well. So that's me. Oh, I'm a mom. I'm a divorcee and lover of food, wine, and books and golf. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a dating profile. <laughs> <laughs> the last part, the little wrap up did. Yeah. Food lover, wine lover, and golf. <laughs> so yeah, you know, we were speaking last week or so, and we were talking about divorce, uh, my experience with divorce. And um, I told folks this will be a two-part series. Um, I'm coming up on the anniversary of my podcast, actually. Um, Mother's Day, yeah, will be a year. And um, so like I explained to you guys, every Sunday night, I drop a new episode at eight o'clock. And so Dr. Thomas will be on with me, Dr. Delvina Thomas. Um, tonight she's on and we'll be on again next Sunday. Um, next Sunday is the episode from her podcast. Give folks the name of your podcast, cousin. Yeah, it is called Coffee and Divorce Chat. And also before, congratulations on your one-year uh, anniversary. That's exciting. Um, and you. you have a lot of subscribers, subscribers and listeners and things like that. But the name of my podcast is called Coffee and Divorce Chat, and it's available on all platforms, um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, all of that. And it's a just an opportunity for me to talk about my divorce story. And I've been bringing guests on like yourself, uh, cousins, to talk about your divorce story to pe- make sure there's, you know, there's so so much negativity when we talk about divorce and um, and why people make that choice. And so I'm just really hoping my podcast shows a different light. And also connects people to resources that they can uh, use to help them through the process. Okay, yeah, that was my first question for you: is why you created that the divorce podcast? Why did you think that was an important thing to do? Yeah, and it's um, I can also share too. Like you found it, you know, I didn't tell anybody it was. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a secret, you know, and, and it still is in a way secret because uh, there's a part of my personal life that you know, in my job and my. Other things, my church, like people don't even know I do this. Uh, it's very separate from my personal life, but it's about to become connected to both because I'm launching a, a nonprofit. So you're actually my first, I'm saying it publicly, like in this type of format, that I'm launching a nonprofit for it. And that was a, that grew out of the podcast. When I created this two years ago, it was really to be therapeutic 
And it started with my daughter attending an art camp and wanting to have a YouTube page and do something like that. And I was like, Catherine, you can, you don't have to have a YouTube page like this other girl. Let's look at some other different options. And I mentioned a podcast to her. And as we were looking out to see if there were any podcasts hosted by kids talking about divorce, there were none. And so I was like, hey, you can use this to kind of process your feelings. At the time, our divorce was not finalized. And we were about eight or nine months in into the separation. And she really wasn't talking about it a lot, just like enough. And she didn't really get into it. I recorded some episodes. And as I started recording, I liked it. And I found it to be very therapeutic for me. And then I have a couple of girlfriends that um, would somehow, one in particular, she would send me IG profiles of other people doing something similar, but just talking about dating because they enjoyed hearing my dating stories and some of the things that I was experiencing. And one of my friends said to me one day, she sent me a profile and she said, this can be UK, like you can do this. And that just really kicked it in gear because I had probably recorded maybe five or six episodes before I even published them. And then I talked to my therapist about it and she's like, yeah, because you have a unique story. They're not. And I was I wasn't finding out stories like that from black women in particular or anyone in the black community talking about divorce. My story of ghosting, love bombing, feeling embarrassed and um, and how to co-parent and and how to navigate this. You know, there were there were other professionals out there, but just not real people. And my therapist also encouraged me as well. And she said, you know, I have clients that are just like you and they need to hear hear that voice. And so I started um, editing and, and published a couple episodes out there, shared amongst friends, shared amongst my sister and her friends and started getting really great feedback. And and that's what led to it. It was first called Coffee and Conversations. That's what it was uh, originally called. And then I recently changed it to Coffee and Divorce Chat. OK, so well, let's jump into your divorce story. Share with us. Ooh. What is your divorce story? My divorce story, um, you know, I think it's it's always kind of interesting. You know, I can talk forever and I've been told I'm a storyteller. So I'll try and make this story <laughs> brief. Like I was sharing a story about, um, about actually about our trip to Italy. And this person's like, yeah, I could see this as you're telling this story because I include all the different details. But um, in a nutshell, I made a decision. I compromised. So I knew even like I, and when I say I knew it's not looking back and I knew like I knew then. Like I knew then that this was probably not the person that I should marry. Um, and in my, I didn't realize at the time I had a checklist, you know, I was 30, had built a house, great job. And this, and I met him on a golf course. And, um, and so he just kind of fit, like, you know, really feel like he comes from a great family. He's the, you know, goes to church and things like that. But I compromised. I compromised on how we spent our time together. I compromised how we experienced moments together, like intimacy. I compromised on, um, some of our interests that in my mind, I was thinking, well, hey, you're not perfect. You know, I was going off of honestly what people were telling me, you're high maintenance, you're this, you're this educated professional and really not being authentically me. And I was just recently telling my mom this story yesterday. Um, and I was telling her in Shonda Rhimes book, because I always say I own my part in our divorce, meaning that it wasn't until I read her book about uh, yes. And she makes a comment in there how when she ended her engagement, how she said that she realized she presented a facade to him of who she was. And so one of the things my ex said to me when um, right before I knew like I needed to ask for the divorce, he, he said to me, my 40th birthday, I just come to see you, been out with you that weekend, exhausted, tired, come back. And he says to me, at, you know, sitting on the edge of bed, was I, did I portray myself to be someone different when we were dating? And I was like, yes, you did. And, and here are the three reasons where, where you did that. But looking back, you know, at the time, I also did the same thing, too. I think he thought he was marrying someone who was going to be, you know, at home and, you know, have a career and work life, but would really serve in a different type of role that he saw in his house. And um, and I don't and I, I realized that I didn't present my dreams, my goals, my inspiration, what I really wanted in our marriage. I compromised when we were in some of these counseling sessions that we did through this church and really didn't voice. And so, and I, and I have shared that with him when we met um, during our separation to kind of discuss some things. And I said, I own my part and this is why the marriage didn't bring out the best. And so that's what led to, that's what led to, you know, to our divorce. So, so looking back, I knew I shouldn't, I knew I should not have gotten married and I chose, you know, chose to do so. I was even going to call it off like three months before the wedding. And I decided not to. And then throughout the marriage, we would talk about it. 
I mean, you know, we talked about it. We would have these conversations and, okay, no, it's not what we thought. And But he never went to go to counseling. And I compromised on that. And, you know, I wish I would have gone to individual counseling because I think the outcome still would have been the same. But I would have been able to deal with some of the personal things I'm dealing with now, that the healing that, you know, two years post-divorce, that I'm definitely probably like 80% through, but, you know, still got some growth to go, but I would have been able to deal with some of the things in there. And um, it was, it was really amicable. And, you know, you were the first one I told about the issues that we had. And uh, right before, at least two years before we separated and when we were in Italy and I'm like, my marriage is falling apart and I don't know what to do. Like, this is, you know, where we, where we are. And um, unfortunately, because I remember when I then went a couple months later, I reached back out to you and I said, I'm going to ask for divorce. This, you know, like I'm, you're like, I'm sorry, cousin, that is not working out. And I'm like, it's not. Um, and so, so I asked for the separation in 2018 and we, in, in the state of South Carolina, you just need to be separated for one year and you finalize divorce. And we went through that and we split custody 50-50. He lives down the street from me, which is very helpful um, and he tells people all the time he only lives in this neighborhood because of Catherine, because, you know, he wants to be close to her. And and, and we, you know, co-parent, you know, well, we have our moments and, you know, I drive him crazy. He drives me crazy sometimes with little things. But o- overall, we always try and put her first. OK, so um, let me unpack some of what you said. Um, thank you also for being transparent. I'd like to know, how did you know it wasn't meant to be? You said you knew that. It, this this wasn't for you. What? Give me some examples of how, of how you knew that. Goodness, I think you know um, some of the things that you dropped in my episode and in your episode about dear ladies. So whenever you've given about relationships, how don't settle. So for example, it was um, one thing that I've unpacked in therapy is I'm a competitor, competition. So I was seeing potential, and it actually came out when I was dating a guy and my separation and the relationship ended. And my therapist said, what is keeping you holding on to this guy? Like, you know, why? And I said, well, I see potential in him. And then I immediately said, oh, my God, I saw potential in my ex-husband. And that's the reason why I got in the situation I am. And I'm not going down this pathway again with this other guy. So we had to, you know, she had to stop and unpack that. Okay, let's talk about this potential you saw in him. I saw potential in him. You know, he's not perfect. He's not there. And I knew that that was not going to work. And And when I say I compromised, I was a stickler prior to that time of like, if you're not bringing it to the table, I'm not selling down. It was one of the reasons why I was not in a serious relationship going into my 30s. Um, I was exiting, moving from Ohio, had ended a relationship with someone that, you know, really wanted to be, you know, long-term relation with me. And I wasn't thinking that way. I was headed off to Luxembourg, France. I was going to go work for my university at the time. I was not thinking about marriage, having a child. And my father was like, you know, our your uncle, you know, we're first cousins. <laughs> and I'm a preacher's king. Like, the let's go. Old, the good old reverend. Yes. Dr. Pastor Hardell Thomas. Thomas. Pastor Thomas. And um, you, our fathers are so much alike. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. like, whenever I'm around uncle, I'm like, oh my gosh, you like my daddy. Which is a good thing. Like, you know, they, much love for us. We, they're definitely girl dads. But, um, <laughs> but he was just talking about children are blessing from God. And so I looked at this relationship differently in terms of like, okay, Hey, maybe you need to think about settling down and looking at someone. But I compromised on how we spent our time and um, and mean like intimacy. So if you are, here's something that a recent girlfriend and I had a conversation about. She's also a preacher's kid. And we're like, so if you're choosing not to have sex before marriage, you need to make sure that the person is creating intimacy. What does that look like without sex? And so we did not have that, and that fell apart in our marriage. And so if I am going to be in a relationship with someone now, and we are deciding to get to know each other and have this exploratory stage, I'm okay with that now. I would like, <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. I would like to do a test drop. I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, you know. <laughs> That's right. You got to, you know, you got to try yes. the shoes on before I, you take them thank home. Thank you. And I did not do that. But... <laughs> But that being said, um, but I, but you have to, and you know, I'm, you're, so you're hearing from a preacher's kid, you're hearing from a Christian who's saying this, and I've, I've had this conversation with my dad. I had this conversation with him, like in my late thirties, and even after um, going through my divorce. That so, if that's what you're choosing to do, then you, as the man or you, as the woman, need to make sure that someone's creating those intimate intimacy moments, and that was like a big deal, a, a big deal for us. And then the other way I knew that it was not going to work out 
at the before we got married was just just some other little details that you think are minute, how you spend your time, you know, uh, personality wise. You know, he had a group of friends and and he played golf and it was all a facade. We went to these little jazz things. And so now I know the questions to ask. Do you do this all the time or is this a one time thing? So after we got married, I'm like, let's go to the jazz club that we went to a dating. No, I just want to sit here and just just chill. Oh, snap. That's, that's cool of you to like, you know, I'm going to let my man have his moment. And I think it surprises a lot of people too, Delvina, that I'm a very vocal, assertive type person. But in this, I'm like, yes, I want my man to be the head of the household. You are alpha male. I want to do all that. So I compromised on, I saw, and I didn't have those conversations with him because I'm like, no, I want to do this because we, we didn't lack of communication, which you talked about in your, in your episode, same thing here, lack of communication too. And so, and I saw that and I was like, well, we're just, you know, we'll get it fixed out because he also lost his job right before we got married because the company left the state of South Carolina. So there were some things going on there. I got promoted in between that. So I'm now doing all this stuff at my university. So there were these other things that kind of took precedent over what I consider at the time to be minor personality, just challenges and all that, that we would get adjusted. No. So let me jump in there for a second. Um, so we were talking about how you knew it wasn't meant to be prior to the marriage. And then you could, so you answered that and you kind of also threw in some, some, um, situations that occurred after you said, I do. So before the marriage, you knew you saw the red flags in the intimacy portion, because you said, um, you guys really did not explore that too much because out of, you did that out of respect for him because he, um, if you don't mind me saying it, he was a virgin. He was yes. a virgin. And he did not want to, um, you know, want to compromise on that and respectfully. So, okay, get it. But you're saying um, you guys didn't explore other ways to be intimate. He wasn't that much of an intimate person, I guess. There wasn't a lot of hand holding, kissing, yes. hugging, cuddling, making out, rubbing your shoulders, rubbing your back. Did he do any of that? No, even it- sitting on the couch. Oh, I don't want to do any. I don't want to do that because I don't want to lead to situations. Mm. And so, so mm-hmm. how many times prior to getting married, you, you this was an example you gave. You guys went to a jazz club, and then once you got married, it was like he didn't he was over it. He didn't want to go. So while you were dating, how many times did you guys go to the jazz club or a similar event? Uh, and- at least, yeah, I would say when we really started, you know, dating got you know exclusive. It was we met in the summer, and then we only dated for about a year or two before we got married, before we got engaged. Mm-hmm. About a year and almost a year and a couple of months. And so I want to, I I revert back to college time. So I know it was after homecoming, it was in the fall because I was stepping back from the relationship. I was like, you know, this is not what I, what I want. You know, if you're, I'm dating with intention now, you know, at the the time. And he said, no, you know, because I knew he had this friend that he liked and uh, a female friend that he liked and she did not reciprocate the feelings. And so I was stepping back from that once I found out about this, like, you know, you need to figure out your feelings for this person. And um, let's see what that looks like. Because at that time, our dates were um, having lunch together on a Saturday. Um, his boys in town. I love football, love sports. So I don't mind hanging out like the girlfriends all hanging out and doing things like that. And some one on one dates in the evening. Then once it became exclusive, then that's when, you know, we went to I want to say went there three times, like three times. And he found it like he was the one who found it. I didn't. And that was when they, he planned all the dates. He planned all the dates. And so I'm thinking I'm going into someone like, okay, he's, he's planning the dates. He's doing mm-hmm. this. But mm-hmm. at the end of the night, there was no like, you know, planning the date, but no handholding, no, mm-hmm. none of the, the conversation and, and things like that. So, and I saw it, I saw it at the time. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like he was actively involved in trying to do the right things with the dating stuff, um, looking for places to go. And I wonder if it was just because he felt like, he had to keep the relationship busy because to entertain a young lady, you can't just say, well, come over my house, especially if there's nothing intimate going down. So coming over your house gets very old. And I think men know that women like to be wined and dine. Women like to go out. We like to spend time. Um, so I could see how that may have been tricky, you know, mm-hmm. making you think that he was actually into those things. Um Okay. And golf too, Delvina, like even like a day date. And um, if I, you know, I'm leaving work, you know, and I'll say, I, I, how about I cook dinner for, you know, for Friday evening. So a couple of times he would come over to my place. I would say we may, you know, I did stay the night. So like, did you never stay the night? I stayed the night maybe like four times. We actually even went to the beach. He took like Valentine's Day weekend, went to the beach, but you know, nothing, 
No. Is he still a golfer? Oh, no. He stopped doing that stuff. He told me later (laughs) on, like, oh, I only did that. To meet someone. Yeah, to meet someone. And he always loved to tell the story that he watched me have these dinner dates. Like, you know, Gosler hit you know, hit on me at the golf at the at the par four course. I started going on business. I started going on business business nights because my house is being built. And the owner was like, "Hey, are you a single woman on Thursday night? There are a bunch of businessmen who come out here." And I was like, cool. <laughs> "So that's how I met him. <laughs> that's how I met him." And um, then you know, after this is also happened before our daughter was born, and I was like, "Hey, let's go out here to the par four course. It was right down the street from our house." Oh no, you can go out there if you want to. And then when I confronted him about it, and I was like, "I mean, he had golf clubs, golf shoes," and I was like. You don't want to go play golf. I belong. And I, at the time, I belonged to a country club because my university had uh, membership stuff. And he was like, no, I, I was only really doing it because of you. Hmm. Okay. So tell us, why didn't you call it off three months prior? You said three months prior to getting married, you thought about calling it off. What happened? Why didn't you? None of y'all said anything. Nobody in my family. <laughs> I told your ass. I said something. I can't remember I did. That. <laughs> yes, I did. When you told me you, that he was a virgin and you guys were not. Oh, yes. 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 And my mama did you. too. And, and, oh, and snap. Marilyn Thomas. Yes, she did. And she said, <laughs> my mama and, and, and your old underling. I tell you, like, they, the same, you know, that same mentality in a way of just like telling us how it is. And my mom's <laughs> like, you did not learn from me. <laughs> I told Thanks. you. You know, and um, yeah, because he even said something else crazy at the engagement uh, party. And I didn't hear that, but my mama heard. And she was like, he said that, you know, I, you know, I guess I, my lease is ending and I guess I love Kay and she has a house. I was like, I did not hear that. And I said, why didn't you say anything to me? She goes, well, I figured, you know, you were good. And I was like, but anyway, oh, um, I know, right? I, because, you know, I've thought about this a lot. And I remember exactly when I was going to do it. I was returning from spending the holidays because we were so late sending out the invitations. I think my mama felt it from me. And I kept putting off, putting it off. And I came back from the from Christmas holiday and he had a key to my house and he brought in a big TV to replace my other TV. That was like my Christmas gift. And his parents had bought me a week because I wanted a week and I was going to get a week. But prior to that, we had some very tense conversations because I said to him, listen, we are engaged. You know, we need to be spending some more intimate moments with each other. Like more like come over, stay. you don't have to stay the night, I understand, but just a little bit more closeness. And looking back, I could tell he was just kind of faking the funk. And, and honestly, I thought it was a little bit of me. You know, I was not the most experienced person coming in. I had, I had experience. I guess I shouldn't say like I was like, I was definitely not a virgin, but I had some experience, but just it'd been a, a couple years for me. So I was, you know, I don't know. Maybe that's a little too, too TMI there, I guess. But I mean, just being real, you know, I try to be authentic on my own podcast. And right. I think that's what I do. But yeah, so um, and I just I said, you know, I Delvin, I don't know if you can remember at that time and just what people like people, but just I did I'll, I'll just go ahead and say it, you know, when you have things that are in your head of people saying you're high maintenance, you want all this stuff, and you're you know, and, and when I say people like my family. Not you, of course, mm-hmm. but you know, and you're hearing that, and 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 you dress this when I, I I almost like bougie, like this bougie effect. And so here I am marrying someone who is from this state, from a rural part of the state, normal, average, versus the men I used to date. And so I was thinking, okay, this is your opportunity, and I know, I know that for sure. Like, if you can, if you call this off, it's like there you are being high maintenance. There you are, blah, blah, blah. Your, you know, your parents have spent, you know, this money, all this stuff. So I just, I just hung in there and I said, I can make this work. Mm, mm, mm. I know. Guys, we're going to take a break for a second. When we come back, I'm going to talk to Dr. K. Thomas about compromise. You know, we, we all think compromise is good and there's a place for compromise in a relationship. But when you're the one compromising all the time, you're always given 80% and they're only given 20%. That's a that's a problem. And I also want to know from Kay, what was the catalyst that finally compelled her to leave her marriage? All right, guys. So stay on and come back with us. All right, this is... Uh... 
This is something I've been working on. It's new. I call it uh, a blues for Nina. to the spinning pulsar, or maybe queen of 10,000 moons, sister to the distant yet rising star. Is your name Yemiya? Oh, hell no. It's got to be Oshun. Ooh. Is that a smile me put on your face, child? Wide as a field of jasmine and glover. Talk that talk, honey. Walk that walk, money. How on legs that'll spank Jehovah. <laughs> Shit. Who am I? It's not important. But they call me brother to the night. And right now, I'm the blues in your left thigh. I'm trying to become the funk in your right. Who am I? I'll be whoever you say. But right now, I'm the sight-raped hunter, blindly pursuing you as my prey. And I just want to give you injections of sublime erections and get you to dance to my rhythm. Make you dream archetypes of black angels in flight upon wings of distorted, contorted, metaphoric jism. Come on, Slim. Fuck your man. I ain't worried about him. It's you who I want to step to my scene. Because rather than deal with the fallacy of this dry-ass reality, I'd rather dance and romance your sweet ass in a wet dream. Mm. <laughs> who am I? <laughs> well, they all call me brother to the night. And right now, I'm the blues in your left thigh. Trying to become the funk in your right. Darius, yeah, Darius was the other character. Darius was the other main character. All right, let's get back into this divorce talk. All right, y'all, we're back on the couch. Hope you enjoyed that poem by Darius. That was his name in Love Jones. As I said, April is National Poetry Month as well as Jazz Awareness Month or Jazz Appreciation Month, I think I should be saying. But no, we're back here with Dr. Kay Thomas. And as I told you, Kay, I, I want to talk to you about the catalyst that finally compelled you to leave. Um, but a couple of things that I noticed um, in your story, you blamed yourself a lot for stuff. You blamed yourself for everything, including his inability to be intimate. You blamed yourself when really his reason for remaining a virgin so long and not being intimate, it probably had something to do with his past. You know, I, I suspect there is probably some trauma in his childhood that he never admitted to with you. Yeah, you know, um, I think I shared with you and I'm, I'm kind of like going to do, I'm going to pull you, to, uh, Dr. Delvina. Um and not put all his business out there, but there was towards the end of our marriage. Um, I remember a particular incident and I was thinking, Oh my gosh, this is why, you know, and, um, and then talking about it later to him, but he shared something with me that I wish he would have shared, you know, maybe, and maybe he didn't, he wasn't thinking about, it. and this is before I asked for the divorce, but um, it was very enlightening, you know, and I was just like, this could be the reason why know, some of the things that, that we experienced in our marriage. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to yeah. say Love Jones is my favorite movie. Oh, so let's, let's name our favorite movies for like relationship entertainment, you know? So we said Love Jones. Mm. Love I'm going to put Mo Better Blues out there too. I think yeah. Mo Better Blues was definitely a movie that taught a lot about relationships. And when I say taught you about relationships, meaning things to do and things not to do. 
Yes, yes, yes. I haven't seen that movie in a long time. Let me think. It almost feels like it's been forever with some movies, you know. Love Jones was good because, um, and I haven't seen, uh, what's some other movies? Goodness, I wish I've been, I'm not prepared for it. Yeah, yeah, no, it's okay. Brown Sugar. Brown Sugar, yes. Like any of those those movies in the 90s, mm-hmm. those were really good movies. I kind of like the Why I Got Married series. Some of those, yeah. the, the some of the things that happened in the movies were kind of, was kind of funky, but mm-hmm. definitely Waiting yeah, to Exhale. Yeah. Waiting to Exhale. Yeah. Yes, for real, for real. The things not to do in a yes. relationship is definitely waiting to exhale. Yes. Like Bernie was misrepresented the entire 10 years of her marriage. And yes. then it was so like, okay, you're angry. What are you angry about? You what misrepresented you yourself the entire 10 years that you were married because you wanted that house and the white picket fence. Mm-hmm. And you're so, willing to do whatever to get. Yes. Right. Including when he walked into the room at the beginning and said, would you be disappointed if we don't go to the party tonight? And they just showed her saying, oh, another one of these damn parties mm-hmm. or whatever it was. And she said, oh, super disappointed or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Oh, like, goodness. I need to go back. And watch. I hadn't watched that movie since my 30s. I need just to watched it watch the other it. day. Oh, okay. I need to watch it. Maybe... <laughs> But um, what was your question was? Uh, yes, my, like- yes, yes. Well, well, the question was, um, and we're going to talk about compromise because compromise in a relationship has a, has its place, but but both parties must compromise. Yeah. Um, and I think the other burden for you is that you believed what other people said about you, and you oh, yeah. bought into it, and you cared about what other people said about you. Like you mentioned, people saying you were high maintenance. You believed their lies. Those are lies. Yeah. You know? And people will pull you in to believe in those lies and you'll start to believe those things about yourself and you'll make decisions based on other people's projections about who they think you are. Yes. You that's know, why that's I said the thing that, that prevented you from calling off the, the wedding. Yes, I definitely agree. And I did blame myself. And I think that, you know, had I sought out therapy to deal with, I couldn't even, I was just sharing this with someone that I'm a journaler. I, I journal a lot, but during my marriage, I could not journal. Because there are moments it hurts so bad, feeling rejected, you know, doing everything and anything, asking questions. What do I need to do? You know, what is it? Let's go here. Let's do this. You know, um, and so there was a series of things that happened towards the latter part of our years of our marriage. We were married for eight years. And it was like the last year or two that really led to like the divorce. And, and it was, and I'm a preacher's kid. So I'm always used to people talking about me, you know, you know, about, you know, where, where I went to high school and stuff like that. And so that was not unusual, but when it comes from family, it's a little bit different, you know, and, um, and it comes from that. And I hurt my mother to hear that. Cause she's like, I can't believe that was the read, but then she could see it. You know, it didn't come from her. My, you know, in real talk came from my sister, you know, you know, my, you know, my, your other cousin and stuff like that. And, and she shows up as, as my sister, like that's how she should be. But, um, it, it, and it hurt, you know, it hurt some, a couple of times and, um, she's probably not gonna like the fact that I said that and, and, you know, you should have had a bigger, now I do now. I don't care what you say. Right. Now it doesn't matter what, what you do. And actually, as I was exiting out of that marriage, I didn't care what anyone said. I didn't care because you weren't, you weren't having to deal with what I was dealing with mm-hmm. and life is too short to be sitting there. And to be miserable and yes. not to be happy because it was like a light bulb kicked in and like, this is not how and and Marilyn a- Thomas raised me. Right. And you know right. this and you better yes. take care of this. And then also I had a child at the yeah. point where my daughter is learning about Disney princesses and things like that. What is she seeing? Mm-hmm. And I said that to him during one of our conversations. What is she seeing? She is not seeing love. She's not seeing a man hold her fault, you know, a man hold his mother's hand or anything like that. You know, you're, you sitting on the couch with me, us having these moments, you know, she's not seeing that. And I did not want my daughter not to see that and understand that, that type of intimacy, that type of care and concern. Or lack of intimacy. Yeah. Yes. You know, and we had that conversation um, several times, especially in Italy about, do you want to live this way for the rest of your life? to be deprived of intimacy and love and just, you know, it doesn't always have to be intercourse and making love. It can, there's so many other things that someone can, can use to show you, to show you love, to show that you're loved, to show that they're into you, to, um, you know, your body deserves attention. Your skin deserves attention. You know, your skin deserves to be rubbed and caressed and all of those things. And your mind, you, you do, you have the, your brain love, you know, you talked about that on my, on my podcast, 
about brain love, taking care of your mental health. Your brain deserves that. And mm-hmm. I don't think sometimes most women, I, and Delvin, you're the, you're the medical health, you're the medical professional, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that most women are charged intellectually, emotionally. And so someone that can, you know, can do that too as well. Like intellectual curiosity is my jam. You know, I can have, if I can talk to you, we have conversation. Oh, it's all messed up. And so when you can experience that and finally experiencing that, you know, uh, even though the, the, the situation should ended, but when you finally experience someone who gets you, who, um, who creates that environment, I ain't going back to nothing else. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, not turning low. Yeah. That is the best foreplay. Someone who you can engage in and an intelligent conversation, you know, and someone who has emotional intelligence. And I felt like your your ex, he didn't have emotional intelligence. You could not have the hard conversations with him mm-hmm. about different things, including what was happening and not happening in your bedroom. You know, someone who's emotionally intelligent can engage and handle and manage those types of conversations. Um, so tell us, what was the catalyst that finally compelled you to leave? So um, a couple of years before, I think it was after our Italy trip. So we both, he and I both get promoted and he ends up um, moving to Charlotte. And so he needed to be because that's where his job was based. And so that was where I started to realize we were definitely not on the same page. And what ended up happening was I was okay with him living in Charlotte because he needed to do that. He had been working from home since we were married. So he'd been working from home for seven years. So now he has, he needs to be back in the office environment. So go up there, find an apartment, things like that. That whole shenanigan was just very chaotic. But while he was there, he just left us just left us. You, you leave your, your wife and child come home on a Friday night and you're exhausted, tired. And I'm thinking, what is this? And what is going on? You're bringing home your laundry. So now I got to take care of the house as well as this. And anyone who has a child that's involved in a lot of extracurricular activities, that's a lot of laundry for like, you know, two people, like it was just chaotic and you're not leaving any money. You're not leaving any help at all. You're, you're just going. So you're like, well, you know, Kay, why is that such a big deal? I had been. So hold on. You said he was working in Charlotte. So he left and got what a place he was. He had a place in Charlotte. He had a place up there. I think I remember this. Mm -hmm. And he lived there Sunday through Thursday or Monday through Thursday. Yes. Yes. Mm. And so it was, so I think he got a taste of the single life and he liked it and he, and he, he forgot. So in the meantime, I'm like, I'm not getting any weight during this time. I'm, I'm hustling. I'm like, so I'm, you know, living one, I'm living one place, driving here. It was just chaotic, very chaotic. So he left and, you to be responsible for your daughter yes. on your own. So you're working full time, doing your thing and taking care of the, the daughter. And he's only concerned about living in his, his apartment and going to work. Yes. And then when he came home on the weekend, he was tired and wasn't too actively involved in yes. the lives of you and, and, and your daughter. Yes. And then on Sunday afternoon, he would jet after church. And we were talking about even intimacy, like church, you know, sit beside me in church. You put a Bible in between us. You know, you see um. other people doing like, and when you're asking, you know, so by, by this time I was done asking and I was okay that he was there. But after that, he had, he was getting adjusted. But after a month, now you can, you know, kind of come and help out. You know, I'm leaving office. I'm taking annual leave. I'm doing all these things to take our daughter to dance two days a week. And you're not, you know, just, you're just leaving me to take care of the household. And I've been doing it for so long. I've been carrying all the bills for so long. I've been taking it. I was just done, just done. And actually um, just said, okay, this is what needs to happen. I need this and I need that going through. So after we were going through that moment, then we move. And so you shared your moving story, how your ex-husband did not help you move. My ex-husband did not help me move at all. My, and I'd actually been in the hospital for two days. I have, a, you know, I have a nut allergy. I had eaten something that triggered something in my body, autoimmune, and I shut down. So every time I ate something, I was breaking in hives. So I'm breaking in hives. I am miserable. I'm, you know, I'm so, and he's not here. He's coming back in the evening and he's leaving actually a couple hours later, not staying the night as I'm sick, all this stuff for about a week. Oh, he sounds like he was a selfish bastard. He was very selfish. And that was one of the key things that came up. I did not realize how selfish he was. And it was for all that. So that was one. Another uh, indication of his selfishness that had to do with the finances in the house. And I, I recently shared with someone, I will never marry a selfish person. But basically, he would go and get go grocery shopping for 
us, I mean, for him and not get any food for the house. Girl, and you better stop it. I was, I was, I was, you know, I'm not I'm no. not going to let you tell these lies on this podcast. No, no, I wish I was. I but wish. I, yes, I wish. was going grocery shopping and just buying wish, groceries for himself yes. and not so you, you and about, your daughter. Yes. And like, I'm not, I'm not a milk drinker. So you wait until I'm the milk so gets down to girl. Yes. And so these are the things. That happened. And so you like, I I just can't even describe like during the time before he moved to Charlotte and what that was like. So, you know, you get home and you're like, and you don't see, you know, these things in there. And so I'm leaving a list like, Hey, just write on the list. And I had, I would say to him, why are we spending this money? You going out and getting this and I'm dropping a hundred dollars. Like, well, I'm getting things that I want to eat because I'm working from home. I I just let it go. I just, it's it's too much. So so fast forward. So yeah. So Charlotte, and then we move. And so, I get ready to go to London. I go to Italy. Then I get ready to go. He didn't want to. He didn't want to go to Italy. So you ended up going with me because he didn't want to go. Everybody was like, "Go, go!" And he didn't want to go. Then what next, what was his reason for not going? By the way, he was just like, "I don't." Well, oh, because I said in my pot. So he said, oh, "That's not my thing." Like, no, if you ever go to London or England, that's where I want to go. Girl, he forgot who he married and where and where my career was taking me. And so I was like, okay, cool. Like, well, if I ever go, and I had a feeling there might be another time I go to Europe. And he said, if you ever go there, I would want to go, but I don't want to do Italy. You know, yeah, go with, go with Delvina, go with your cousin. So, you know, you and I go. Then the next year, I get invited to come and present in London. Now, mm-hmm. I'm still having hope for my marriage. I'm still mm-hmm. like, you know, we had to get through this move. We, now, in the meantime, let me tell you what I'm doing. I'm, I keep thinking in my mind prior to the move, if we move to a city where, where it's just us, Move it. So I'm looking for all these other places to move for other jobs where it's just us. Maybe that will help our marriage. No. So it fast forward, you guys, it was just you. It was, but it was, you know, where I, I, in my mind, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Yeah. So the, so it was the Charlotte and then the real catalyst when I knew it was over. Oh, wait a minute. Was, when, you, when you had the opportunity to go to London, you said, I'm going to London. Did he this say This is oh? what happened. Yeah, this oh, is, this was okay. it. Cause I still had hope. I still had hope. I said, okay, we'll get through this move, you know, because then he started trying to make a little turn. You know, he was never, um, he would be asleep because I, I would get our daughter ready to go to, uh, go to nursery, things like that. So he'd be asleep when I would leave the house. And then, um, and so I never, we never had the moments of like, you know, have a good day, baby, and things like that and all that kind of stuff. So when he moved to, when he got the job in Charlotte, we, we were now on the same page in terms of the morning but it still wasn't really there. And by this time, I'm kind of shutting down a little bit. We're not talking that much except with our child and stuff because I'm really pissed at what happened about the whole move. Mm-hmm. And when his mother, talking about the facade, when his mother came to stay with us, one morning he leans in to kiss me. And I was like, whoa, what you doing? <laughs> it was like, and I did. He was like, I'm kissing my wife. And I was like, dude, you hadn't kissed me good morning in like seven years. Not today. And, I, and his mama mother, was, what's his mama sitting? She there? was sitting right at that table too. No, so you're he wanted to this. put on a facade for his yes. mother. Yes. And I was done by that. So I'm like, no, 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 you're not going to do this up in here. No, no, no. And I said, you have not kissed me in like seven years. Good morning. I said, half the time you're asleep. No, see you later. And he was, and she was sitting right there. And that's when she made a little comment on the door. Anyway, I don't want to digress because you know, I can't. So the whole point is like, so we're talking, we're doing, so two things happen. That let that knew was over. My parents come and visit, and we had joined a church. Well, I'm sorry, he had joined a church, and so now we're on this side of Columbia. We can find a church together. So it was his selfishness with money and things like that, and his time, and it was religion and intimacy. And so I'm thinking we're going to find a church together. And when my father asked, because we had our and the reason why our parents were visiting us, if people were wondering, there was no after school care for our daughter, and both of our parents are retired, so they were we were very fortunate that they could come in and see and help out. So that was very helpful. But that created tension because things came to light with some of the issues. And one of the things that came to light was my father asked him, so now that y'all over here, y'all going to look for a church together? And he said, no. He said that he was going to continue to go to that church, even though that pastor was retiring. And I was done. And I was like, because he that's what he promised me. He kept promising me that we're going to find a church together. I have no issue with segregated churches and and predominantly, but I grew up in an all-black church, and that's what I wanted for me what and the, my daughter. What was your father's response when he said, no, I'm going to continue to go to this church? He was shocked. I, mean, I remember Hardell Thomas is very lost for words, and he did not say anything in that kitchen. And my father never says anything about any man I've ever dated or anything like that. 
three times he's only said in my 44 years of living. And that was the third time he said he and I went for a walk and he said, you and, you know, and you're need to get on the same page. And mm. that, that's all he said. He said, you y'all need to get on the same page. And, you know, he's not. And yeah, he knows, that was girl. the third that, time. Yeah. Wow. And so anyway, so so long. So that was that. And then going to London, when I got the chance to go to London, I'm still having hope. I'm still having hope, girls. At hope. And in the kitchen, I said, hey, the, it is like, you know, some of my boss said we can go and all this stuff. So we can go to London. And he said at that same in the same kitchen where my daddy said and he said, I don't want to go. He said, that's UK. That's not me. And my heart dropped and I knew it was over. Because I knew where my career was taking me. I knew what personally thing, personal things I wanted to do. I mean, I, 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 I cried. Like, I didn't cry in front of him. I was so hurt. I went to the bathroom and I cried. Because I knew, like, I knew I was going to have to make that decision. Yeah, and it that, was that not was going to get better. That was your indication it was over. It was you over, yeah. Too dissimilar. Too dissimilar. <laughs> you like to travel. You want to see the world. And he sounds like he's, you know, he's vanilla. He's plain. Yeah. And, and it's, that, it's okay. There's nothing wrong with being vanilla and, and being plain. If that's what you choose to do, that's what your comfort zone is. It's okay. But someone who likes butterscotch, pecan, and pistachio, <laughs> and you know um, gelato, and um, you know all these different things—strawberry, kiwi, and chocolate with marshmallow—and you know when you like a lot of flavor, vanilla is just not going to do it for you. No, it's not. And can I just add something here too? Please. You know. Um, you, I've been through some things, right? And you know, and so there's the there's the hurt, the rejection, things like that. But when you put in the work, so I've put in the work since then to mm-hmm. get, and I actually start putting in the work, exiting out of that marriage. And I put in the work since then. So there is yes, healing that I need to because your audience is wide and broad and things like that. And I guess that maybe I shouldn't even be saying this like a disclaimer, but I put in the work since then to prepare myself for this next relationship knowing the things that, you know, I accepted that I will not accept. And then also being aware of the things. Cause uh, so it feels really good to be authentically me and to really own. And I just have to share this one funny story about his selfishness. So the end of that, so we go to London, take my daughter to London. So we go and I, oh, and by the way, I said, give me your credit card. Cause I'm taking Catherine. So we go to London. When I come back, my mother, you know, she calls them to see how he's doing since he's been there by himself. And she's, she tells me, oh, he went grocery shopping for it. When I called him, he was going grocery shopping for y'all because there was no food in the house. Delvina, I had been taking a nap. I said, he did what? I got up, went into, got my camera, took pictures of the refrigerator, and I sent it to her. And I said, he bought stuff for himself, mama. That's what he did. And I said to him, I don't expect you to know what type of coffee I like. I don't you, you, he should know. I don't expect you to know the cream I like. But you know what? You should be getting things for your child. You should be getting this. And when, so to my listeners, like, what well, did you ever tell him this? Yes, I did. And he laughed. And mm-hmm. when I told him the three things, when I asked for the separation, he, I'm sorry, prior to the separation, he laughed. He laughed. That's what mm-hmm. he did. That was his response back. So I, so my, so the listeners, I talked to him about it. I was very nice about it. All this stuff, you know, because I know how my words can be and I know I can be. And so I would always approach from a different perspective. And he laughed about it. Didn't think it was no big deal. And when he asked during our separation, he was like, you know, really like, you know, I, I guess he was trying to, you know, I don't know, make himself look in a different way. And I was like, dude, mm-hmm. I, I, was, I said, dude, like, I asked you these things. I said these things to you. I, I asked you, what do you want me to do? And this is, was your response. So why would I, I said, why would I want to stay with someone who laughed at me? Why would I stay with someone who didn't care what my credit score was, but you were more concerned about yours? Why would I want to stay with someone who didn't even want to make sure that his child had snacks and things in the house, but you always made sure you did? And so if you're wondering how he is now, our divorce forced him to be that type of parent. He'll do anything for that child. He makes sure all this stuff. And I, I know that surprise, at least like some, like my sister, she's like, oh, if he's like, if he's like this now, what do you think is going to be when he has to take care of her? I was not worried about that because there's one thing about him. He's going to make sure his image stays clear. Yeah. Yeah. And he knew you were going to step it up, that you would step in where he was absent, where he was not Um doing the right thing. So now he has to do that. Um, so I have a question. I have an answer. Be ready for this one. Now. All right, Dr. Delvina. How many times did you have sex during your marriage? Oh, do I have to answer that? Yes, you do. Oh, come on, Delvina. <laughs> Delvina. Really? You're going to really okay, put okay, me okay, out Okay, there? okay. All right. <laughs> 
it was not enough. I mean, I think people, I, I think about to say, <laughs> clearly it wasn't too much. Let's just say I had fun in my, I shouldn't even say that. I shouldn't even say I had fun in my separation. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, we'll, but we'll it, leave that alone. You did yes. say intimacy was a challenge. So yes, it, we'll it was, it, a, it was not enough for us. I think people can kind of get an idea. It was not enough yeah. to secure and for me to feel comfort and for him mm-hmm. to feel, yeah, it was not. And listen, I'm not trying to suggest to folks that a, a, a relationship is built on sex. It is not. Right. Absolutely not. A, a, relation, a sex, sexual relations and a relationship that's mostly about sex is not a strong foundation at all. You know, um, cerebral intelligence, being connected cerebrally, that is the foundation of a relationship. And come, what comes with that is the um, the communication and the emotional yes. intelligence. And that's why the relationship will survive and the reciprocity. Um, so we're coming to a close. I think um, we've talked about a lot of things, different lessons here. Um, one of the ones that I want to mention right now is guys, don't always be the one compromising and don't always believe that you are the one at fault. I mean, that's that's very noble. But your relationship will not make it if you're the one that's always allowing yourself to take the blame. It takes two to tango. And the failure of a relationship, as you said earlier, Kay, you said you own the part that you played in the relationship. And that's very mature. We all have to be mature about, um, you know, how we initiate the relationship, how we manage that relationship and how we end the relationship. So. If you're in a relationship right now and you're the one compromising all the time, sit down with your partner and have that discussion and ask, why am I the one always giving in? Why am I the one always compromising? Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, um, showing up. So I'm now I am authentically me, you know, so the, the, the some of the men I dated in my separation, I just took my time, got to know, and it was really more about them. And it was really my therapist who made that comment to me. And she said, you know, this, this last situationship that I was in, I call it a situationship. And it was, to me, it was a blessing because it was an opportunity for me to be me. And I owned it and I took control of it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and 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 that's, I controlled him. I took control of how I wanted to do things, meaning Mm -hmm. that I showed up as myself. This is Kay. Yeah. I like to golf. I like to do all this kind of stuff. And, you know, I'm going to come over. Let's go have, you know, I, I took, Mm -hmm. you know, took control in that sense and, and own that part. And it was great just to be, to be me. And, um, and I've been, you know, been that way moving forward too, as well. Although someone recently just said to me, I, I old habits are hard to die. Right. You know, mm-hmm. so that's why you still put in the work. But a friend recently said to me that he noticed that I would, um, I still say things like, um, this is just me, this is my quirkiness, almost like I'm deflecting. And I appreciate that feedback, you know, from that person. Um, because, and he said, you know, I know you're working on your healing and, and, you know, things like that. And so I just want to let you know that I catch that, that, mm-hmm. that you do that as a way to deflect. And he's like, you, you don't need to do that. And so that was a, a good reminder um, of, of that because I was like, Oh, just I, be I, who I, you are and, and don't make an yeah. excuse for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And people do misrepresent a lot. Just know this. If you're misrepresenting, when you go into a relationship, that person doesn't know who you are. And if you don't know who you are, Right. Because if you're someone who misrepresents, you don't know who you are. How can you know who you are when you're always playing someone else? So you cannot misrepresent. If you don't know who you are, take the time to figure that out. Take the time to get to know yourself. If that means taking yourself to dinner by yourself, going to lunch on your own, going for a drive by yourself and just being with yourself for a few hours, traveling to another country alone. Learn who you are. Learn what your likes and your dislikes are. Learn what you want in a relationship. Learn what your um you know, what your preferences in your relationship, know what is a, a no, what's a big no, what you're willing to compromise on. You have to know who you are so that you're not misrepresenting in a relationship. That is a com- a common issue in relationships, women and men who pretend to be a certain way. And then you find out they're not being authentic. As Dr. K, as you said, being authentically you, you got to be yourself. Yeah. Because then you don't know where, where's the relationship going to go then. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause then you can't really, what you, we all have expectations or boundaries, you know, recently, you know, we hear a lot about manifestation. I don't know how you feel about that. Delby, and we never talked about that, but you know, people manifesting what they want and praying for what they want. And I've been asked that before. And my response is I pray for me to be ready. 
I'm praying for me to be prepared and ready for whoever that man's going to be in this relationship. So I'm not mm-hmm. praying for a man to be like this, like that. You know, I'm, there are things I like, but for me, it's more about being prepared for that. And being prepared is showing up as me. That's how I see it. And, right. and getting myself together. And so, and then the other part of that is also, you know, saying that these are my boundaries and my boundaries also include, it doesn't have to do with intimacy, but my time, when you're talking about distractions in the last episode, how I spend my time, what I choose to share with someone, what I choose at, at what time I choose to share that. Now I've just basically put my life out there, but you know, but you know, it's, <laughs> a, it's all about, it's also that too, as well, you know, knowing knowing what you're knowing your expectations and your boundaries and what you want to, what you want to do with somebody. I've learned yeah. that. And I think the last important point that you made here um, through your own experience was do not fall to the pressure. Do not succumb to the pressure of other people. Don't adhere to other people's beliefs. Don't do it folks. If you know you're in a relationship that is not working for you and you can't, you don't, you can't be there for the rest of your life. Don't concern yourself what other people are thinking about that. And um, don't be concerned about them saying, oh, my gosh, we don't get divorced in our family. Oh, we're Catholic. Oh, we're Baptist. Oh, we're this, we're that. We don't do the divorce thing. Stay in it. You know, you may not be happy, but it's okay. Do it for the kids. Your kids are worse off when you stay in a relationship where there's no love and there's no respect. Children know when it's not genuine. They know they can tell. Mm -hmm. Our children are smart. Um, some of these things are innate to them. They haven't learned about relationships, of course, but some of these things are innate to children. Um, so don't succumb to the pressure of other people's beliefs. Like you said, screw what other people think. And that's the attitude you have to take, especially when it comes to managing and living your own life. It has to be about you. So Dr. K, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, yes. I remember, I'll be honest with you, Delvin, when you share that with me, um, when we were on the, on the beaches in Italy and you're like, Catherine will be fine. She'll be okay. And I, I did not believe that. I was just like, you don't know my baby, but you had been through that with your son and you were right, you know, and it's just more about me helping her get through that. So I would definitely, I can co-sign on that. You were right. She's going to be resilient and she's going to learn and she knows these things. And you have been right along the way. And I always appreciate you showing up as my cousin. So, um, yeah. through this whole process. Oh yeah, no problem. And and the thing that helped her the most is that you and and your ex are both very loving parents who are there for your daughter. So yes. that really really helped her along the way. It's helping her now. The yes. fact that he's there for her, you're there for her, you guys are pa- co-parenting together, that really makes a difference for a child when they're going through divorce. So yeah. What are your last words? Oh, wow. Um, I hope that my story makes someone feel comfortable about not that you have to share your own story, but at least whatever decision that you're going through, if you're contemplating divorce or if you've gone, if you're going through the divorce process or you're divorcee, that you realize that you're not alone, whatever the situation that led you to that moment. And also I'm moving forward of, you know, at some point you have to stop talking about your story and just doing an action. Mm -hmm. And I recently heard someone share that. And I think that, um, that's what you have done. And that's what I'm now focusing on now too as well. And that will be my last words that don't uh, dwell in this space of your divorce. You know, so, you know, I have this podcast and like, well, you're dwelling in this space, but you know, what I'm hoping that my nonprofit will be able to do will be help people to connect to resources. So they don't dwell in the space of divorce. That is that it doesn't define you. I never get my therapist said to me two years ago, who is Kay? That's not a mom, a divorcee and a college professor. And so now I know who I am. And when I meet people, when I meet men, it's not these three things. It's the, the dating profile is the other things, or I don't have to say it. It's just shown. And so, and that, because you put in the work, so you don't dwell in your divorce because mm-hmm. it's very true. At some point, you don't want that to be identify you. You don't want to talk about it anymore. And that's okay. You don't have to talk about it if you don't want to. Um, at all. And there are times I don't talk about it on my podcast or I talk about aspects of my life now, but not necessarily the, those moments for that. And so those would be my last words. Do what you want to do and be okay with it. Because I always tell folks, if I listen to some people in my family, I would not have done some of the things I've done in my <laughs> life. For sure. I'd take family because, you know, that's family. But, um, and, and last, but not, last but not least, my mama used to say, no one can understand what you've gone through. And no one can understand what you've gone through and what you're still going through. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Own your story, own your narrative. 
and help and try to pay it forward and help others. Yeah. And there's definitely space for your your podcast and how it allows people to process divorce and, and know that it's okay. Um, it's a very challenging, um, very challenging transition to make when you're telling a person you no longer want to be in that relationship. So I appreciate what you're doing for women and for men, because it's not just for women. You're helping men also. So Thank guys, you. I've heard some men. Yeah, I've heard some from male, some male listeners who appreciate hearing and getting information. Yes. Perfect. Well, thank you everybody for joining Dr. K. Thomas and me on the couch for another episode of the Brain Love Podcast. As I mentioned previously, we will both be back next Sunday night as I am with Kay. You'll hear the interview for her podcast. Give folks the name of your podcast again, Cousin Kay. Yeah, you can find me at Coffee and Divorce Chat and it's called Coffee and Divorce Chat. Coffee and Divorce chat podcast. Can we think of my, own, my name of my own podcast, the coffee and divorce chat on IG. And that's also on all available platforms. And typically episodes drop every other week on a Monday. So definitely listen, subscribe to both of our podcasts and, and leave us a star review. Mm-hmm. I was just about to say that subscribe <laughs> to both of our podcast guys. If you're listening to the brain love podcast and you haven't subscribed, subscribe now and rate it. And remember, my last word is you got to have complete acceptance of yourself just the way you are. Everything about you. Love everything about you inside and out. Love who you are. Love how you look. Just love everything about yourself. And you know if there are things that you should work on and you should change and tweak because maybe you're not a good listener. Maybe you're argumentative. Maybe you never compromise. Maybe you are someone who learned, you have to learn to be more intimate. Maybe you didn't learn that growing up. You didn't learn it as you were being raised, but these are things that you can work on and you can change. You just have to do them enough times to make it habitual so that it's automatic for you. So accept yourself, tweak the things that um, you need to change to make yourself a more healthier you. And as I always say, y'all say brain love. Brain love. All right, folks, see you next. Well, you'll hear us next Sunday night. It's the end of an episode. Thank you guys for joining me on my couch. It's been a pleasure. It's Dr. Delvina. Remember, every day you must have brain love. Balance. You can't have all work and no play, and you can't have all play and no work. Reframe. Reframe your negative thinking. Think positively. Avoid negative people. Inside, everything you need, it's inside of you. Look inside yourself. Needs. Know your needs. Your needs come first, not everyone else's. Limitations. Limit your expectations of yourself. Ownership. Own your mistakes, learn from them, and move on. Vengeance is not yours. It's the Lord's. Express yourself. Every day, meaningful communication. Don't go to bed angry. And that's been my show, guys. Brain love. Thank you.